Hello and welcome to this edition of the Berlin Policy Journal podcast. I'm Henning Hoff, Executive Editor. In the previous episode, we explored today's world of frenemies and Germany's uncomfortable place within it. The country's response to a world of great power competition and geoeconomics, our contributors argued, was to play dead. And then this happened. We want to see the arms embargo see respected, that it will be monitored more closely and more rigorously than in the past. That's German Chancellor Angela Merkel making a more forceful than usual address at the end of the Berlin-Libya conference on January the 19th. Berlin hosted a high-level meeting to try to end Libya's long-running civil war. Important leaders from the region and beyond were all there. Whether or not it will result in a permanent ceasefire, most observers agree that Germany did a good job in trying to lead. Even US Secretary of State Mike Pompeo tweeted his appreciation. Two weeks later, the EU's High Representative for Foreign Affairs, Josep Borrell, was in town. He also emphasized that it's time for Germany to be more active. I want to stress the fact that Germany has to play a leading role in assuming a bigger, stronger, and more assertive foreign policy for Europe. Nothing can be done without Germany. So, has anything really changed? For an answer, we turned to the director of DGAP, the German Council on Foreign Relations, Daniela Schwarzer. I started by asking her whether Borrell was right in saying that nothing can be done without Germany. The high representative of the European Union surely needs Germany if he wants to get anything going in terms of European foreign policy. Uh, he will need to work closely with France, Germany, Poland and other medium-sized and also smaller European member states and Germany plays a key role. We recently saw um, Berlin hosting the Libya conference. Does that mean that Germany becomes more active in foreign affairs? It was a big job to get together that conference here in Berlin and the Chancellor as well as the Foreign Minister spent a lot of diplomatic energy and effort to get people to Berlin. Um, that was a result of the conference. However, the implementation, uh, as we have heard over the past days, is not what uh, one would have wished for. But it shows that Germany took a diplomatic initiative and, um, after having launched the Berlin process a while ago, managed to bring together people around a table and to advance a diplomatic solution. Do you sort of observe or feel that there's a sort of new energy in, in German foreign policy or is it more the same? That yet remains to be seen and we will also watch with a lot of attention whether Germany will actually follow up if ever the decision was taken to send in a military mission uh, with a United Nations mandate. Germany of course would be expected to be engaged and that will be a tougher political question to solve in Berlin than the diplomatic effort we saw with the conference. Usually the Munich Security Conference in the middle of February sets the international mood as well. So will we see more German leadership there as well? Germany will have to show leadership at that event, not least because Angela Merkel, the Chancellor, last year round gave a big speech on uh, multilateralism, international governance, the need to basically save the West and bring Europe forward. So uh, the German participants will be observed with a lot of attention 
both with regards to their commitment to the EU and the future relationship with the UK, of course, but then also the question how uh, German policymakers frame their perspective on the transatlantic relationship in a year where uh, presidential elections are held in the US. So Germany will have to show that Europe is there at a time where the Munich Security Conference will be characterized by two big themes. One is uh, global power competition, so China, the US, also Russia, uh, all actors that are far more affirmative internationally. So the question is, where's Germany, where's Europe in this? And then secondly, the question whether Germany actively wants to bring things in the European Union forward. You're right about geopolitics and our current issue and how Berlin and the EU need to learn to play this game. Do you see this happening? The topic of geoeconomics is now high on the agenda. Ursula von der Leyen, the Commission President, has actually tagged this new commission a geopolitical one, and she has put uh, strong people in roles where they are supposed to look at the EU's ability to act in a geoeconomic environment. The EU is well positioned on trade because that's a European Union competence. In other areas, a lot still needs to be done. And again, many eyes will be on Germany because Germany has very strong interests in uh, the international economic system and the fact that it remains a basically a free and open economic system. Germany is under constant threat uh, from the United States that more tariffs or, or quotas are introduced on, for instance, uh, automobile imports. And now the question is really for Germany how it can use the European Union to make Europe a stronger player in this, because right now we have one of the largest markets in the world. We have a huge number of very potential consumers, so we are interesting uh, for others. However, we don't have the economic tools in place or we don't wish to use them to actually fight back when others blend security interests, um, foreign policy interests and economic and financial interests like US President Donald Trump does. We're not prepared for this kind of world and we will need to learn to think much more strategically and really pool the tools and instruments we have to affirm our power globally in a more effective way. How optimistic are you that 2020 will see a step change? We won't see a radical change, but we see that at least two things are changing on the European level with regards to uh, geoeconomic and geopolitical reasoning. One is the European Union is becoming more affirmative on climate change, which is one topic that lends itself to an active external EU policy vis-a-vis -vis other partners. And here the dialogue with China at a time where the US uh, has clearly withdrawn from this area of, of international action. That will be very interesting to observe. And Europe really needs to, to be uh, forward-leaning and, and, and ready to lead on that issue. And the second topic is that the EU has become more aware of the fact that if it wants to play a stronger role in the geoeconomic and geopolitical world, it needs to become stronger internally. And that's why where I would expect movement is in the field of industrial tech and innovation policy so that the European Union can actually catch up with other players. If we just take the 5G example where Europe would maybe wish to take a strategic decision not to go with Chinese or US technology, we at this time, we don't have our own alternative in place and ready to act. And the awareness is now rising that this should be the case. 
And so I would hope that there is a joint EU initiative to really make sure that uh, in the technology world, that we are heading towards a G2 world between the US and China, that Europe completely loses us. We need to catch up, and that will be part of our base upon which we can play a stronger international role in the future. Daniela, thank you very much. Thanks to you. DGAP Director Daniela Schwarzer. You can read her article, Weaponizing the Economy, in our current issue, via our Android and iOS app, or at berlinpolicyjournal.com. In July of this year, Germany will take over the rotating EU presidency from Croatia. This will place an even greater spotlight on Berlin. Who better to comment on this than a German diplomat who worked on a previous EU presidency, now here with us on the think tank sabbatical? Hi, I'm Rainer Rudolph. I'm a senior policy fellow here at the German Council on Foreign Relations. I'm a German diplomat and previously I worked in the Federal Chancellery on EU policy. Welcome to the program, Rainer. Thanks for having me. As a member of the um, German Foreign Service, you've been involved in preparing a German EU presidency in the past. Um, what's going on right now as they get ready to take over the role in July? So it's five months now and I think preparations are in full swing. The thing is, they have already started like two years or so ago. And unlike what you might think, preparation doesn't start with preparation on substance, but it really starts with logistics. Uh, so to give an example, they need additional staff now at the German permanent representation in Brussels. So to have staff there in 2019 to do the preparation, you need to have that in the 2019 budget. And of course, the 2019 budget is being prepared in 2018. So this is one of the reasons why preparations start very early, as much as two years in advance. Who's uh, usually in charge of this process? Is this more sort of driven by the Foreign Office or by the Chancellery? Well, they have to work together very closely. I think they do. I think they have a joint effort, if you like, to prepare the whole government apparatus for what I would call a change in working mode. The thing is, when you run the council presidency as a member state, you have a different objective. You don't only work for your country's policy goals, but you have an EU role. So you don't just work for achieving national policy aims uh, on whatever, certain pieces of legislation, but it is your task uh, to bring forward the work of the EU as a whole. And this is, a, I think, really a very important change in work mode for, for all agencies across federal government. And I think they're working together on that. Mm. Is this the most difficult part, to switch from a national to a European perspective? Yes, absolutely. And I think it concerns really everyone from, you know, from the minister down to the desk officer. There is a different measure of success in a way. A minister coming out of a meeting won't be asked, well, did you achieve this or that in the, the German interest? What is in the German interest? But he will be asked, did you achieve a success for the EU as a whole? And were you able to work with European Parliament? Were you able to work with the Commission? what is the outcome for the EU. So that is probably the most important change in approach in work mode for an entire government apparatus. Some governments choose to set a, a theme for the presidency or set specific goals. How is this in, in this case? Has Germany a, a precise aim with its presidency? Well, I think all 
presidencies try to leave their mark on those six months where they run the work of the councils? So far, there is no official German presidency program yet, but a few things have been announced. So to give an example that a chancellor has announced, there will be an EU-China summit convening all 27 member states together with the Chinese president, which will be a first. So I think this gives you one indication of the priorities the German presidency will want to set. What is behind it, of course, is relations with China. But behind that, I would see a broader message about the role of the EU as a global actor, wanting to strengthen the EU globally, but also to send a signal inside to all member states. Uh, on the world stage, we will only be successful if we act together as 27 member states. China is certainly one big topic. Are there others, uh, or other topics and events you foresee for the second half of 2020? I think there's an, a number of topics which simply the the German presidency will have to handle to maybe just name just one or two um, work on the next seven-year budget will continue uh, into the second half of this year one way or another. So um, that will certainly be an important task. I would foresee also that work on the on the green deal, sort of the everything that is behind changing our economic model with the climate change um, we have to work with will be an important issue in the second half of this year. But beyond that, there is always this, what I would call the, the John Lennon dimension of, the, uh, of any presidency. Life is what happens to you when you're busy making other plans. <laughs> what role do you see for Chancellor Merkel? It's her last, well, it's as if we, we, are, we are sort of approaching the end of her, her final term. Um, will she use this um, as an opportunity to work on her legacy or, or, or sort of send certain messages? Or? Or, or is it sort of pretty much business as usual with her anyway? Well, with some of the policy issues I mentioned, I could imagine that those are issues where she would be happy if the EU made some progress on, say, strengthening the EU as a global actor, uh, on moving Europe ahead, uh, on the entire climate change uh, agenda, maybe also on an issue like uh, advancing the digital economy uh, in Europe. So as far as I see, she hasn't said publicly, these are my specific aims uh, for, for the German EU presidency. But those are some of the issues where I could imagine she might want to uh, see some progress. Germany's uh, EU presidency ends on the 31st of December. That's the same date as uh, the transition period for the United Kingdom ends to, to leave the EU. And... Uh, Negotiations will start soon between the EU and the UK, what the future relationship will be like. But there's a danger, of course, that there will be no agreement at the end of 2020. And will that mean that there's lots of troubleshooting ahead for Berlin? Absolutely. I think this is one of the another one of those big issues the German presidency will have to deal with. Those negotiations between the EU and the UK are taking place under really severe time constraints. They are trying to agree on a trade deal within an incredibly short time frame. And the, those negotiations will have to be concluded even before December 31st, because there will be uh, ratification work will need to be done. So absolutely, I think this is going to be one of those issues taking place under enormous time pressure, but at the same time with a lot of uh, with a lot at stake for both sides. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. And that's all for this edition of the Berlin Policy Journal podcast. Thanks to my editorial colleagues, Siobhan Dowling and Noah Gordon, and to our producer, Susan Stern. 
Join us again in mid-March when we'll focus on Vladimir Putin's Russia. The Russian president recently announced a constitutional shakeup that could keep him in power indefinitely. In terms of foreign policy, under Putin, Russia has gone from strength to strength. Or has it? Until then, goodbye. Thanks for listening.